Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Livecast. Uh, my name is Mark Cowart, setting in for Andrew Womack tonight. And again, we've got an awesome show for you. Our special guest, Matt Staver with Liberty Council, who's no stranger to this program at all. And uh, really what I consider out there on the front lines. And it's going to be a powerful time tonight. But before we get into that, Richard, there's always some things we need to share. And uh, we turn that over to you so it gets done effectively. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. It's good to have you on set tonight. And great to have Matt with us, of course. And uh, thank you to all of you for watching tonight. I'm uh, really excited about tonight's show because I think the information you're going to hear is just uh, so vital and so important. So be sure to maybe send a text to your friends and family and, and let them know about it as well. And, uh, you know, I want to remind everybody, too, that past episodes of the uh, Truth and Liberty Livecast are available on our website at truthandliberty.net. And speaking of our website, um, hopefully you're watching tonight's show on the website and not on social media. Of course, we broadcast to social media so as many people as possible can watch it but your most reliable experience will be on our website where they don't censor and uh, it won't be dropped and you never know with Matt Staver he's usually out there in a pretty controversial way so <laughs> we've had him censored before it's a badge of honor for us you know Amen. so but uh, be sure to watch on our website um, and we've got some new resources that we've added to our resources page. Wanted to mention a couple of those. Uh, George Barna has just issued a new report relating to polling amongst millennials and the millennial generation that is extremely sobering. Something every pastor, really anybody who cares about the gospel and the kingdom of God needs to read this report because millennials are in bad shape, you guys. They need the gospel. Take a look at that resource on our website. Also, Rick Green with the Patriot Academy has a new program out. It's called Biblical Citizenship. Citizenship in Modern America. It's about how churches can teach the Constitution effectively. I heard him talk about it a couple weeks ago, and I am really excited about that. So check that out. Up uh, here at Andrew Womack Ministries, there's some great events coming up. You know, the holidays are upon us now. And I wanted to rem excuse me, remind everybody uh, about the Heart of Christmas performance, December the 10th through the 12th uh, at Karis Bible College here in Woodland Park. I tell you, that show is awesome, Mark. It is so powerful and moving. And, uh, you know, it'll cause you to cry, cause you to smile. It'll just cause you to rejoice. And uh, check out uh, that on our website or the, the AWM website, awmi.net slash events. And you can purchase tickets now and make plans for your whole family to come out. It's a wonderful way to celebrate Christmas. Also, a live nativity uh, the following week, December 16th through the 19th, as you can drive past the, the main building on the campus at Karis and see uh, life-size live nativity. These are actual people and animals and everything and it's really really realistic and, and just really nice. Andrew's got a conference coming up, the Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference, January 6th through the 8th in Phoenix. It's one of the main uh, GTCs of the year and it's going to be a great event so you can also check that out on the AWMI website 
as well. Encourage you to attend that if you can. Um, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, we really encourage you to subscribe. I just was talking to a guy who's a book publisher today, and he said, yeah, he gets our emails. I didn't know that. It was great to hear. And he was talking about how useful the information is that we provide. So that was really encouraging to me. If you're not a subscriber, I really encourage you to do that. Go on the website to the upper right-hand corner and click subscribe, and you'll begin receiving our emails, our blog posts, our action alerts, and all the other kinds of things that we send out to help equip you to stand for truth in the public square. And if you do, you'll be eligible to receive our free product giveaway. Last week, we gave away um, Andrew's book, The True Nature of God. And I want to congratulate Kathy Bachman. Congrats, Kathy. You're going to get an email from us about how you can claim that free gift. And this week, we're giving away Andrew's book, You've Already Got It. You've already got it by Andrew Womack. Do you see the dog chasing his tail here? That's because that's how most Christians live their lives, chasing the things of God, not realizing that they've already been provided for us in the atonement. We don't have to twist his arm, uh, persuade him to give us what he's already promised us. So uh, you, you ought to uh, subscribe today and be eligible for that book. It'll change your life. <coughs> Um, and then also, um, uh, if you are not a member of the Truth and Liberty, first, if you are a member, I want to thank you for your generosity. Your contributions enable us to do what we're doing here, uh, Pastor Mark, and to make a difference. I believe we are making a difference. And if you're not a member, would you, would you prayerfully consider that? Because we have great plans in our hearts to do amazing things here, and we're doing them. Uh, but you can be a part of that if you contribute financially. Just go on our website to the donate page. You can sign up to be a member there by uh, making a recurring automatic monthly gift of $5 or more per month. And if you do, you become a member this week, we'll send you a free gift in the mail. And that's Alex McFarland's book, The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. I met Alex through you, Pastor Mark. He's one of the finest people I know. He is an awesome evangelist, uh, apologist, and a great teacher. An so, amazing guy and so articulate. He really is. Yeah. I'm envious actually of how he can write and speak. <laughs> yeah. But he's also down to earth and he is. just a friend of everybody. So become a member today and be eligible to receive that. Uh, we, this, as you know, most of our regulars, if you're not a regular, let me tell you, this is an interactive uh, broadcast. So we want to hear from you tonight. You can post your questions and comments in the uh, chat function on our website or the comment box there on Facebook. And we'll do our very best to get to those and give you a chance to ask Matt and Pastor Mark any questions you may have tonight. And then uh, uh, last thing I want to mention is if you need prayer tonight, if you'd like someone to agree with you in prayer, just uh, 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 call in to 719-635-1111 and uh, trained prayer ministers are standing by to agree with you in prayer and to minister to you. So take advantage of that tonight. Well, praise the Lord. Mark, that's all I've got. I'll kick it back to you. Awesome. Well, one thing, there is no shortage of things to talk about, Richard. It's very true. And uh, Matt Staver is such a great guest and uh, friend of this ministry and a blessing mm -hmm. to the body of Christ. Matt, thank you for joining us again. And uh, more than that, thank you for what you're doing. I tell you, when I think of you, I think of somebody that's out on the front lines, almost like the tip of the spear in the courts and the legal system. So we want to welcome you tonight and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Mark. And thank you, Richard. Uh, it's good to be with you this evening. Well, you know, I've had the opportunity and the privilege to be on with you and Matt tonight. And one of the things, thinking about all the things, it seems like, Matt, there's just no slowing down. It seems like one thing comes at us in these vaccine mandates, but your organization, 
you really are out there on the front line. And I'll say this again. I'm a pastor. I've pastored the church we're at now 34 years, and I never thought there would be a need or a day for having organizations like Liberty Council that would defend us from our own government. And so you've been right out there at the forefront, and it's a blessing when I think of you, but just give us an idea of what you've been involved in and what you're currently dealing with right now. Well, you know, we really began uh, down this road in March of 2020. And that's when we heard the phrase, it's only 14 days to flatten the curve. They knew it was a lie then, and we obviously know it's a lie unequivocally now in retrospect. And so that 14 days extended to another 14 days, just another 14 days to flatten the curve. And it was very quick in uh, March of 2020 that we began to realize that these restrictions coming against churches as they did in March and then April of 2020 were unconstitutional and they were also harmful, not only to the church, but that the government didn't have any authority to do this and that people would be harmed with increased depression, suicide, drugs, alcohol, other kinds of um, societal ills that would happen when you threaten people with loss of jobs, restrict them to be at home, and prohibit them from the real source of their health, and that's Jesus Christ through the body of believers in the church. And so we really pushed back on that. And so we first messaged in April of 2020 about the upcoming vaccine mandates when there was no vaccine, when there was no real discussion of it. And the reason why we did is because we looked at global information. And we found that uh, globally, there had been a large global push for an, a number of years to our surprise, because we weren't tracking this necessarily, of a global vaccine mandate to vaccinate everybody on the planet and to use government coercion and tracking and tracing to be able to determine who's vaccinated and who's not. We predicted that that was coming to the United States. So we fought the church restrictions and we warned about the upcoming vaccine mandates, even though they weren't in existence at that point. And then the Pfizer COVID shot became first available in December of 2020 and then followed by Moderna and then Johnson & Johnson in early 2021. And then here we are. Well, now we've moved from the church restrictions, which we've litigated and we've taken to the U.S. Supreme Court, and we've won five to four and six to three decisions, and we've been able to effectively stop those restrictions on churches, at least for now. I can tell you that had we not litigated and gone to the Supreme Court and won these cases multiple times at the high court, there would be severe restrictions on churches and places of worship as we speak right now. And that's what they want to do, and they want to get back to it, but there is that precedent that prohibits them from doing so. So what they're doing now is they're doing the implementation of this global plan, and that is this vaccine passport to require everybody in the United States, as we're speaking domestically, but also worldwide, because we're seeing these things happening in Austria, uh, Greece, and throughout Europe, France, and other places, where they're pushing people to get these COVID shots. And it is ultimately not a matter of public health. It's a matter of ultimate control. It's a matter of a Marxist, socialist, control, top-down government that is a godless worldview. Mm. And so that's where we are, and that's where we've been involved in uh, significantly. We're still working on some cases regarding church restrictions to make sure these never happen again. But right now, there are no church restrictions anywhere in the country that we are aware of.
However, what happened is in July of this year, the mandates began, and they began in the third week of July with Biden's directive to the Veterans Administration, the Veterans Affairs, uh, and they issued the mandate. And from that time on, the floodgates have opened. And I can tell you some of the specifics, but that's what we've been involved with. Tens and tens of thousands of people we've been helping. We're litigating on behalf of healthcare workers in Maine and New York and Illinois. We have three cases currently before the United States Supreme Court, two of those on these vaccine mandates. Uh, we also are litigating on behalf of military members, federal employees, and federal civilian contracts, contractors, and then helping tens and tens of thousands of others as well. Well, you know, Matt, one of the things we have directed a lot of people to your website, and I know they're going to have that up. Uh, there's probably not a week goes by at our church um, where someone yesterday, a military gentleman came up. But every week we're helping people with that and we point them to you. Uh, to the particular website, and I know it's up right now. But one of the things, I don't know, Richard, if you've ever had this, but all of a sudden you'll be hearing the news or you're watching and you just kind of have this, this little thought process and epiphany. Matt, I know we've talked about this some. What's the survival rate of this thing? And, and as far as vaccines, I've told the church, I'm not anti-vaccine. I had vaccinations when I was little. But this is not a vaccine. And, and so could you address that, Matt, particular, uh, Matt, particularly on the survival rate of this COVID thing and the scare that's gone on about it? Yeah, if you're, if you're under 50, uh, you have a 99.98% chance of survival. Wow. And if you're over uh, 50, you have an, a 99 plus percent chance of survival too. Uh, it, it is, and if you're like in the children's age, 18 or under, uh, you have an incredibly high, an infinitesimal chance of uh, having mortality rates from this. So to require children or to vaccinate children uh, is just insane. Frankly, what we have is, is a virus that's real, no question about it. The Delta virus is more contagious, and frankly, I think it's more deadly than the original wild version that came out uh, earlier. And I think in part that's because of the uh, vaccine itself that we're having, that it's actually creating more difficult strands or variants, if you will, of the original wild version of the COVID-19 virus. But what we have is a virus that's obviously real. People die from it, there's no question about it. People get sick from it, there's no question about that. But the survival rate is incredibly high, especially, especially if you use early preventative treatment and early intervention, such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and a host of other nutraceuticals and medications depending upon the stage of the virus. Very effective treatment is currently available. What we do know, and so we're representing many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of healthcare workers. For example, in Maine, we represent 2,000 plus healthcare workers, and we're suing the governor of Maine because she ordered all of the healthcare employers to deny religious exemptions of all of the employees, to deny them outright, and to fire them if they didn't get the COVID shots by October 29. Uh, and the similar thing happened in New York, and the similar thing happened in Rhode Island, where they're ordering the employers to deny the 
religious exemptions, and if they don't deny them, they'll lose their license to do business. So we're litigating in two of those three states, Maine and New York. But what we're seeing in, in just Maine and, and in thousands of other healthcare workers and first responders that we represent around the country, what we're seeing is that these healthcare workers, yes, they've not only worked through COVID from the very beginning, they've worked through the deployment of these COVID shots that are not vaccines because they are not using a dead virus or a weakened virus to inject into your system. They're using experimental, frankly, um, very uh, questionable and even dangerous types of uh, methodology, such as the mRNA or the DNA type of um, treatment that are in these. These are not uh, vaccines. They had to actually change the definition of vaccines to meet, to include this particular kind of shot. These shots did not come under the historic definition of vaccines. And so the CDC changed its definition after these shots came available in order to include them because they weren't included in the definition of a vaccine. It's not using a weakened or deadened virus uh, that is injected into your system, unlike any other previous vaccine. But what we're seeing is these healthcare workers are seeing people that are injured from the vaccine at a higher level, injured from these COVID shots. These are people that are coming in with neurological conditions and other kinds of serious conditions. These are people that actually die uh, in the hospitals and also in these uh, EMS uh, vehicles as they're being transported to the hospitals. So these medical workers not only have a religious exemption because these shots were all using aborted fetal cells in the development or testing phase, but they also have informed information not only that they've done research on, but that they've experienced personally, where they've seen the deadly and dangerous results of people who have gotten these injections, and they reject them outright. And you can imagine that when they're told by their employer or by the government to inject in their body the same thing that they've just treated a patient that has uncontrollable shakes, like an epileptic seizure, or some other kind of uh, physical manifestation or even death, you can understand why they're saying no. And they're willing to lose their jobs or walk off the job rather than get this injection into their body. Matt, the, uh, used to hear about the Hippocratic Oath, right? And part of it was first do no harm. How is it that, uh, I'd like if you could comment on what the numbers are right now in the VAERS system on these, uh, these shots and the, the injuries that are, you know, the numbers on that. And then how is it that we as a country got to a point so fast where we completely disregarded this, uh, the massive injury, injuries, number of injuries and the severity that are being inflicted on people all over the place now? Well, that's a really interesting question. The Hippocratic Oath says to do no harm. And obviously in the Hippocratic Oath, you have everything just completely being thrown out. Because in fact, what you're doing is actually harm. And uh, the, the problem is, is that, you know, when you go to VAERS, you, you ask the question about VAERS. We have uh, VAERS on our website at lc.org forward slash 
vaccine, lc.org forward slash vaccine. And you can go there under adverse reactions. And under adverse reactions, you're going to see the VAERS uh, data chart. And under that, you have tens and tens of thousands of people who have already died under that particular VAERS. And I'm going to pull it up here in, in just a second. Um, but this particular uh, VAERS data chart is astounding. Uh, the uh, matter of fact in the, the VAERS data chart, we have nearly a, a million people who now have adverse reactions. Uh, and these adverse reactions uh, are anything from uh, rash to epileptic type of seizures and to, to including death. And now we have tens of thousands of individuals who have had um, these reactions, but also have had experienced death. So you know what we, we have, for example, uh, you know, you talk about some of the results of these mandates and, and, and why some of these people are not wanting to get these shots, particularly the healthcare workers and first responders. There was a, a Denver police officer right there in your state in Colorado. Uh, the Denver police uh, force at, required the, the vaccine or the mandate for all of the law enforcement officers to get the shot. And what happened is that they ended up um, requiring it. This individual was very concerned about the uh, loss of jobs. And so he ended up getting uh, the COVID shot. And as a result of that, he now is essentially paralyzed and he can't even take his kids to put them in bed every night. So the VAERS report is updated every week. Uh, that VAERS uh, report um, uh, shows on Friday night an update of every week and it jumps tens of thousands in terms of the adverse events every uh, single week on the VAERS report. And if you go to lc.org, uh, lc.org, and you type in lc.org forward slash vaccine, scroll down to the adverse reactions. And when you scroll down there, there's gonna be a red link it says VAERS data chart. When you uh, click on that, uh, then you click on the drop-down screen and you hit the red box. And according to the red box, it's just a summary, you have 18,853 deaths. You have 894,143 reports of adverse reactions through November 12th. Maybe we could have someone in our booth uh, type up that uh, or find that URL and get it on the screen for people so they can uh, get there a little bit quicker. That, that's incredible information, isn't it, Pastor? It's incredible. How does this stuff keep from getting out, Matt, and how does it stay so suppressed? I just prayed for somebody after church yesterday. They came up and they didn't want to say it, but they, they're trusting people that this is a real vaccine. And she was having things happen in her nerves. She said, I've never had this trouble. She said, I hate to even say this, but I, I had the vaccine and I think it's, and then there's others in our church that have had it <clears throat> and they have not had, but there are some horrible things happening, Matt. Yeah. How does that stay suppressed? Well, it's the media. It's the media and you have people like Fauci, the CDC and the FDA. The FDA is dominated by uh, people on their 
committees that have connections with uh, the pharmaceutical companies, big pharma. And so you're talking about billions, billions of dollars of money that's at stake. And so when you look at some of the treatment that was already available, the cheap, low-cost treatment that's very effective, if you, if you acknowledge that that existed, then you wouldn't move into a vaccine and you would not get hundreds of billions of dollars of profit. And so you had to suppress that so you could say that there's an emergency and you needed to fill this void when the void wasn't ever uh, vacant. We already had treatment. But in order to get hundreds of billions of dollars of profit, you had to do this. And so there was this oppression of the truth. And then what you now have is the FDA is dominated by its committees stacked with literally people that are connected to Pfizer, people that are connected to the pharmaceutical companies. And so when they come out and they recommend uh, that these shots be given to children as young as five years of age, that's not a surprise because that's what they want to do. The more people, the better for them. The more money they make because there's no liability, zero liability. I mean, it's a gold mine uh, because they can make hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of profit and have zero liability for all the people that are injured or killed. And so the media is complicit with that. And the social media, and you talk about, Richard, you don't know whether it will be censored or not, but the very fact is that when we talk about this, what happens? Social media wants to censor you. It wants to censor the truth. At least, you know, even if you don't believe it, you ought to at least listen to some different opposing viewpoints and do the investigation yourself. Don't take my word for it. Do the investigation yourself. And I think right now what we're seeing is that, um, you know, like with the vaccine mandates, the so-called vaccine mandates, everybody now knows somebody whose job is threatened or they've lost their job because of these mandates. And it's becoming the same way that everybody is really knowing somebody now, even if they don't know them directly, they know somebody who knows them who have been injured by these shots. And so that truth is not going to be suppressed forever because people are now, like you're saying, Pastor, you had a church member who's now having these abnormal neurological signs and the church member confides in you that she just got the COVID shot. Trusting people that she's heard on the media and others, even doctors, that say, oh, no, it's safe and effective. You ought to get it. You know, like, for example, in Canada, I know you have viewers in Canada, Richard. Uh, in Canada, there was a 52-year-old cardiologist, very pro-COVID vaccine, and he actually tweeted that he would not um, shed any tear at the funeral of people who died because they did not get the COVID shot. Mm -hmm. Well, he just got his booster, and you know what? He's dead. Oh, this wow. healthy 52-year-old cardiologist, very pro-COVID shots, vaccines, if you will. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Mark, they're not vaccines, but just from a common parlance, he was very pro for that, very, very mm. much stigmatizing people who wouldn't get the shots. And now he's dead after getting the booster shot. A very healthy individual. No other explanation other than the booster. And you're seeing that more and more and more. Matt, I, 
uh, we could, this is fascinating to me, but uh, you said something earlier about a worldwide push for mandatory vaccinations. And uh, I'm curious about something here. Um, this seems to go beyond medical reasoning and medical logic. There seems to be some other agenda that is at work here. Uh, last week or week before in our own home state here of Colorado, Governor Polis, a left-wing Democrat, issued an order authorizing hospitals to turn away people who did not have the vaccine. Are we in danger of creating second-class citizens here with these vaccine passports and mandates and this whole agenda of uh, looking down on people who don't, uh, who are making a choice that's contrary to what the establishment wants? Uh, absolutely. You know, the three categories of people that we're working with are students, employees and employers, uh, and military members. Those are really the categories. But we're also working with another category, and that's people that seek medical treatment. That's a fourth category. And we're working with a lot of people who have been removed from the kidney transplant list. We have a couple of people, for example, this is a person who desperately needs a kidney. Uh, she indicated that uh, her life is in jeopardy if she doesn't get the kidney when she reached out to us just a couple of weeks ago. Her brother, Richard, is the donor. He's been approved as the donor. She's been approved as the recipient. But one more thing, just before you get the kidney, you need to get the COVID shot. She says no. And they removed her from the kidney transplant list. Another one is a, so that's the recipient being removed from getting her brother's kidney. Another one who is a donor wants to donate her kidney for her friend who desperately needs it. The donor got every step approved. The donee got every step approved. But just before the final surgery, they said, by the way, you need to get the COVID shot. She said, no, I'm not going to get it. The donor has been removed and the donee would certainly be removed as well. And we're seeing this happen over and over again. It's with large organizations like uh, UC, UC Health Colorado, right mm -hmm. in your state. They're doing the same thing. We've got people in your state, Richard, that have been removed from the kidney transplant from the UC Health in Colorado, uh, right there in Denver and other wow. places throughout Colorado. And also Vanderbilt University, and you name it. They're all over, all over the country. Well, what's we the, also there... have nurses, by the way, who are, when they give their religious exemption request, uh, if, they, if they are granted it, they're being told, you have to wear an N95 mask, whereas everybody else can wear something else. Some of them have to wear an N95 mask and another mask on top of that or underneath it. And they have to wear a different color badge so that they're identified Scarlet letter. as someone who doesn't have the COVID shot. Wow. Well, uh... Is there any, to your knowledge, now you're an attorney, not a doctor, but you've been studying this more than any of us. Is, is there any medical justification for them to require kidney recipients and donors to be vaccinated? In other words, like, does the surgery pose some risk to the healthcare workers or what is this all about? Well, I, I think what their, you know, their reasoning would be that they don't want to put a healthy kidney into somebody who could otherwise not be a good candidate for the healthy kidney or take a kidney from a donor who's not a good donor candidate. So with that, and I understand that, that's a common practice that they would do. You know, if you have certain 
medical conditions or cancer, you're going to have to get that resolved before you get the kidney transplant because there's only so many to go around. However, they're making a value judgment, and this is where the problem is, is that the COVID shots give you an advantage over somebody who doesn't have the shot. And that's where the science breaks down and it doesn't support that. It doesn't support it for several reasons. One, we already know people who have been severely, severely injured or died from the COVID shots at alarming numbers, alarming numbers. And those numbers on VAERS are just the tip of the iceberg because many of those, the vast majority of the incidents and deaths are not reported. So what you see there is about a fraction of the percent of the real. Yeah, because VAERS is, is self-reported only, right? I mean, it's self-reported only, yeah. but it is a very difficult self-reporting. Not anybody can just go on there and report. It's a, it's a long, laborious process. And you have to verify it. And you have to have medical information. You have to have a lot of data. So mm -hmm. it's not like somebody can just go on there and uh, fill out a report and boom, there it is. Uh, it's very tedious. And so the, that's why one reason why it's not reported very well, because once a doctor goes on there and tries to report it, it's very hard to report. It takes a long time. And sometimes when you go through the process and you hit send, it just dissipates all your information. You have to start all over again. So they don't have time for all that. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Matt. You were about to say the second reason why that doesn't make sense medically. Well, the second reason why is that we know that, for example, the, the COVID shots are not protecting against the Delta variant. Uh, we know, for example, in Israel, uh, they've had the highest COVID rate in their history after you've had 80 plus percent of the adults vaccinated with the two shots from Pfizer. And, and we see the same thing in Gibraltar. Gibraltar brags that it has 100%, 100% of the adults, quote, vaccinated. And yet you ought to look at the charts. We have them at lc.org slash vaccine. And, and they are vertical. You can look at the United Kingdom and they're the same way. So all of these highly vaccinated places on the planet have this very high infection rate of Delta. And unless somebody says, well, you might get Delta or some variant, but you're not gonna be as ill. No, the, the actual global data shows that not only will you get it uh, just as likely or more likely, and in fact, you may carry the virus at a higher viral load than somebody who's never gotten the shot. That's the studies as well. But when you get it, it can likely be more dangerous and more deadly for those who've already had the shots. Wow, wow. Well, Matt, you, Liberty Council does a whole lot of good work besides just the amazing stuff you're doing um, for uh, the vaccine fight. And, and uh, I'd like to give you a chance to talk about that tonight. Um, you've got some cases coming up that are really important. I'd love for people to hear about that. What's going on at, at uh, your organization? Sure, and just before I, I jump over to that, for people who know someone who or who are mandated to get these COVID shots, go to lc.org forward slash exempt. lc.org forward slash exempt. There's a video there to watch. There's sample religious exemption letters and fill out the form, the legal help form, and then we'll be in contact with you to help you and walk you through the process. lc.org forward slash exempt. And Matt, for those that may not know, there's no charge for that, correct? Yeah. That's correct. Able... There's no charge. Yeah, because some we people do may that. not know that. Right, right. Yeah. Free, uh, free, free as a 
that's, that is our ministry. But other cases that we have, we have a lot of other cases going on uh, in addition to the uh, opposing these mandates. But we also have a case at the United States Supreme Court. We actually have three cases at the United States Supreme Court, two vaccine mandates, one out of New York, one out of, one out of uh, Maine. And um, with regards to the third one, I'm arguing it on January 18. It's a case out of Boston. And we filed suit against the city of Boston. And, and, and Richard, you can't make this up. And, and Mark, this was 2017 during Constitution Week, Camp Constitution, that's the name of the ministry, that uh, wants to celebrate the Constitution during Constitution Week. Uh, they ended up applying to have an event during Constitution Week 2017. And they were wanting to talk about the Judeo-Christian heritage and history of Boston and Massachusetts with regards to the founders and the Constitution and the development of the rule of law and so forth. And obviously John Adams, first vice president, second president, a Christian, was a Massachusetts resident. Uh, and he was a resident of Massachusetts. So he would be one of the many founders that they would highlight. But what happened is they applied for this event and they wanted to temporarily fly the Christian flag as part of that event. It was a one-hour event. Uh, they have had over the previous 20, uh, 12 years, they had 284 applications to fly the flag of a private group on a public forum poll that they had dedicated for private citizens to use. The city usually, uh, they, they did this for 12 years, 284 applications, no denials, number 285 application denied. Why? Because it used the word one time, and that word was Christian. They were told if you refer to the flag as anything other than Christian, call it whatever you want. Call it the Camp Constitution flag. I don't care what you call it. Just don't use the word Christian on the application at all. Mm -hmm. We would have granted it. So yeah. we filed suit. We lost twice at the district court, lost twice, three to zero, at the Court of Appeals. And then we asked the U.S. Supreme Court to take the case, and they agreed to take it. Now I'll argue it January 18. And get this, uh, you'll, you'll, uh, don't, don't fall out of your chairs, but today, as we speak today, we got amicus brief supporting our position from the United States Department of Justice and even the ACLU. Wow, that's stunning. <laughs> so you're telling us that um, to celebrate the Constitution, they wanted to ban free speech. Is that yeah, basically that's right? right. <laughs> they wanted to ban free speech if it came, if it used any kind of Christian viewpoint. Yeah. yeah. Everybody was welcome. Yeah. Reminds but, me of a Bible verse. Somebody said once about don't speak any further in this name. You know, mm -hmm. we had to resist mm -hmm. that. Well, that's great, Matt. That's really that's great. That's right. As long as I didn't speak the word Christian, mm -hmm. yeah. we would not be here. I would not be arguing the case on January 18th before the Supreme Court. But every time, you know, I got ready to prepare for this case during oral argument on the Court of Appeals, I'd read the facts and I, and I would tell the other attorneys, I said, this is a no-brainer. I don't know why we're here. It should be no brainer. And I would get at the Court of Appeals and they would deny us. And we went back again and they denied us three to zero. It wasn't a split decision. It was three to zero. And we 
asked the Supreme Court to take the case. On September 30, they agreed to do so. Uh, last week, they set the oral argument for January 18. All right. Amazing. Well, Richard, have we got some questions coming in? We do. We've got a lot of questions. Um, this is free legal advice week on truth. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we got a lot of, there are actually a lot of great questions and we're happy they're coming in. But here's, here's one just uh, uh, kind of plain as day, uh, Matt. Uh, this is coming from Anthony on chat, and he's asking if they fire me for not getting tested and wearing a mask, is there any legal recourse? Well, sure. Uh, it, what you need to do, assuming I assume from this question that the person has received a, an exemption uh, from the shot itself, but now they want you to wear a mask or do something else uh, with weekly testing. So our first level of legal triage, if you will, since there's so many cases that we're working on, is to get the exemption. Then once you get the exemption from the shot, if they have these requirements like wearing a mask or getting weekly testing, uh, document that because it's discriminatory. And go for it for a little while, but don't tolerate it for long, document it, and then go back and push back against them because, listen, it's in this kind of a category. You have a complaint. Title VII for employees includes a, a restriction on religious discrimination, racial discrimination, and discrimination on the basis of sex. Uh, so you can't have a hostile work environment where it's sexually provocative, for example, and other kinds of situations. So what happens if you have a racial discrimination case and somebody comes to you and says, uh, this is a racially hostile environment, or I've just been racially discriminated against, or this is an environment in which there's been sex discrimination. I've been molested, or somebody's tried to uh, use the advantage over me because of their position. Now, what if they, what if they are, quote, sympathetic to you at the beginning, but now because you brought the complaint, they want you to be publicly identified? They want you to wear a badge. They want you to wear a special mask. They want you to get certain testing at your cost. Uh, that's a disincentive to you bringing this claim that's protected under the law. And it's the same thing with religion. So not only must they listen to your sincerely held religious belief and work to accommodate it, and they can accommodate it because that's what they've been doing for the last many months during COVID but they can't identify you publicly and stigmatize you. And that's what they're doing by the weekly testing and by the visible mask wearing where other people don't have to wear the mask or they have to wear a different kind of mask. Great answer. Uh, and uh, we've got another question here. Um, let's see. Um, I think you, your answer will probably be encouraging to us, Matt. This, this guest, Aussie Graham, asks, do you think that religious freedom will be removed almost completely from the United States in the next few years? Uh, no, I don't think it will ultimately be removed uh, from the United States in the next few years. Uh, in fact, if you go to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, while we've had some you know, different decisions in the lower courts, the, the Supreme Court over the last few years has had a good trend to protect religious freedom. In fact, there's even one case that's a nine to zero decision. And um, there's another one that's an eight to one decision. So, I, and in fact, uh, people are suggesting, I don't want to count our chickens before they hatch, so to speak. 
but that we're going to have a very strong win in our case that, that we're litigating out of Boston. Uh, that's not religious free exercise, but it's religious free speech. Mm -hmm. So I think we're making very good headway in the religious free uh, exercise area at the United States Supreme Court. Well, and speaking of religious freedom, uh, the Biden administration announced yesterday or day before that they were repealing <clears throat> uh, the uh, Trump executive order promoting religious freedom uh, in America. Do you, do you know what I'm referring to and, and what are your I do, thoughts yeah. on that? Now, that is concerning. Now, the question is whether that would ultimately be upheld at the Supreme Court. President Trump issued an executive order that uh, protects religious organizations, particularly uh, those that are in, involved in various kinds of um, crisis, you know, you know, helping people uh, with regards to pregnancy and other uh, family uh, medical treatment and so forth, from uh, having to compromise their religious values by hiring people that are contrary to their mission as a prerequisite to get some government grant. So in other words, if you got a government grant before that, you had to, there was threats that you would have to compromise your religious mission. President Trump wanted to protect religious organizations, faith-based organizations. And Biden is moving to repeal that. Uh, Biden is the most anti-religious liberty, freedom, anti-life president that we've ever had. Uh, and that's saying a whole lot because uh, that even tops what happened during the Obama administration. And he has done nothing but try to attack a life and attack religious freedom. But you know what? He has had significant setbacks, like, for example, in the vaccine mandate. You have a three to zero decision at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that's blocked the, the mandate uh, with regards to OSHA on employers that employ 100 or more employees. And so there's a lot of pushback in the courts. And uh, while we have the worst uh, White House in our lifetime, probably in American history, with regards to religious liberty, we do have uh, good decisions coming out of the Supreme Court over the last uh, 10 years. Well, we're speaking of other branches. I, I want to ask you about something before the broadcast ends tonight, which is, um, so everybody was excited when Donald Trump was president. Well, everybody. <laughs> conservatives and uh, constitutional uh, conservatives were excited because of the judges that Donald Trump was con was nominating and getting confirmed, and he made immense amounts of progress there. Now that Joe Biden is president, he's getting to appoint his own judges. What kind of judges is he putting on the bench, Matt? And how important is it that people turn out to vote in the uh, elections next year for United States Senate? Well, they're the polar opposite of what Donald Trump uh, nominated for the bench. And it makes a huge difference. However, the difference between Donald Trump and Biden is the pace at which Donald Trump moved versus what Biden is doing. Biden has had a small number of judges that he has nominated that have gotten confirmed. But it's a very small number. There's two differences between Biden and, and uh, Trump in terms of the number of judges that they've appointed and gotten confirmed. One, when Trump first came into office, Obama had over 100 vacancies that he did not fill. So on day one, January 20, when he was sworn in, uh, Trump had over 100 vacancies that he had that he could fill. And that was before anybody attruded after that. And that was because Obama just got 
pushed back and, and, and did not uh, fill those positions. So he then had so many already off the bat. And then other people retired, and he was able to appoint those. And the Senate moved very quickly to appoint those. He filled those positions, Trump did. And so there's not that big vacancy when Biden comes into office, thanks to what Donald Trump and the United States Senate did. Now, when Biden comes into office, there's, there's a small number of vacancies, and Biden's not pushing them, and the Senate, a Democratic leadership, doesn't have the clout to push them. And so it's a very small number, and it's a very slow process. That's the good news. However, those that do get nominated and get appointed are bad news, but it's a small number. That's encouraging. Well, uh, I think that we've got another viewer who's asking about the status of the mandatory vaccines among the military and healthcare workers. Can you comment on that? Yes, we just got a ruling today on our case, Navy SEAL 1 versus Biden. Uh, we have a number of uh, military men and women of all the different branches. We have multiple Navy SEALs. That's why it's Navy SEAL 1. Uh, we have all different kinds of members of the military of all the different armed forces. Uh, we also filed on behalf of the employers, federal employers and civilian contractors. The judge issued an order today out of Tampa, Florida, uh, that postponed, if you will, the injunction request regarding the military. He is now requiring the, all the branches of the military to give a detailed report every 14 days beginning January 7. And if the first one that is due on January 7 is like the most recent one that was done within the last two weeks, we're going to get the injunction. Because what we've seen in the last uh, two weeks from the data that uh, they were required to present to the court is that they had 16,643 religious exemption requests, and none of them have been granted. All of those that have been reviewed, several hundred, nearly a thousand, have all been denied. One of those was denied on the appeal level as well. In fact, today we just got uh, information from military that they've also gotten their appeal denied, and now the next step is early December with uh, discipline. So we're going to go back to the court after we review all that information and send that information to the court to expedite it even before January 7th. The bottom line is we didn't get the injunction today as we had hoped, but the handwriting is on the wall that if the military continues down this process, the Department of Defense, uh, the court will issue an order to stop them and protect religious freedom. Uh, the court is taking very seriously the Religious Freedom Restoration Act case. On the employer and the civilian contractors, the court withheld the injunction regarding those. However, the court also said that the two executive orders that cover federal employees and civilian contractors both, quote, expressly require religious exemption, close quote. So that's good news. And so we're going to make sure that that is front and center for all these federal employees and civilian contractors. And if it's not, then uh, we will take that back to the court and ask for a further injunction. Well, that's, that's good news. You know, Matt, every time I hear you, it just makes me appreciate you all the more. Thank you for what you do, because you're a busy individual. <laughs> there, there's so much going on. But one question I would like to ask, um, I know that people, they feel like there's this overwhelming sense that 
the darkness is just getting darker and things are getting worse. What can I do? Does my vote count? Does my voice have any impact? What would you say to us tonight that we need to continue to do and maybe start to do and even increase in? Well, you asked, you know, does your vote count? Take a look at what happened in Virginia about two years ago versus what happened in Virginia in November of 2021. And what you had was people wondered whether the vote counted. And so you had this very liberal agenda come in the Virginia House and Senate and the governor's office and the attorney general's office. And they tried to cram all that down the people's throat. And, you know, after uh, two years of that, people said, this is not what we want. And they overwhelmingly rejected it. So for the first time in Virginia's history, you now have a Republican governor and a lieutenant governor and an attorney general, believers who believe in Jesus Christ and trust Jesus Christ, all three of them. And uh, you have some huge turnaround. So your vote does matter. So never, never, ever, ever give up. The other thing is, you know, we look at biblical history. And Esther could have given up. Moses could have given up. Daniel could have given up. The three Hebrews could have given up. Jesus, you know, was faced with incredible opposition mm -hmm. and never gave up, obviously. And so at the darkest time, whether it's Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrews thrown into the furnace, or Esther who's got an irrevocable decree of death hanging over her head, or Moses, mm -hmm. who's a little shepherd in the most powerful nation on the planet, it's pretty dark. But they didn't give up. And God ultimately turned that darkness into light and victory. And we read about those exploits today. And so God is ultimately the King of kings and he's Lord of lords. And he's looking for his church. And his church, he says, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so, you know, yes, we have temporary setbacks. We have temporary defeats. You know, we would have rather had the injunction today on the military case. But I can tell you what, we will ultimately win this case. I am confident. You know, on the case that's before the Supreme Court, we could have been so depressed after the first denial at the court, then three to zero denial at the Court of Appeals, then go back and get denied again at the court then another three to zero denial, and we could have said, let's just give up. Does it even count? We've spent thousands of hours, and now we're at the Supreme Court, and, and I think uh, we haven't won the case yet, but I predict that we will win this case, hmm. and it'll set national precedent. So what was intended to ultimately be evil, I believe will now turn around and set national precedent for all people of faith, to stop the Christian censorship in the public marketplace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, I love this. I wish more attorneys had your perspective yes. Yes. because actually, you know, we saw some great victories just recently here in Colorado with school boards. And it yeah. was a shock to everybody. And, and they went conservative. Of course, Truth and Liberty was a vital part of that. And God's doing some great things. But that is such a encouraging thing. And I think, Richard, too, people have to watch where they get their information. No from. doubt. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate Truth and Liberty. And I encourage everybody to make sure they check out these archives and look at the resources because you I don't even watch the news anymore. It has to come from different sources because you just can't trust it. That's right. So That's right. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got, looks like a couple minutes left. You want to squeeze in another question? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Matt. Well, here's one that I think a lot of people want to know, which is um, if your government restricts your access to hydrochloroquine and ivermectin, what can you do about it? Well, there's other resources you can go to uh, outside of uh, your local pharmacist or your state. Uh, there's different uh, places you can order this from. Uh, you can even order it from Canada, by the way. I know people who have done that uh, with various kinds of ways to do that. Uh, and uh, you can find different pharmacies that ultimately uh, do this. There was a, there was a woman who, whose husband uh, was very sick with COVID. She got a script. She's in Virginia. She went to the pharmacist. The pharmacist said, I'm not going to give you ivermectin. Uh, she began crying. She said, look, you're coming between me and my husband. That's life and death. Pharmacist ultimately relented. She gave it to him, and his uh, dreadful condition turned around within uh, 48 hours. And she says there's no question in her mind that that saved his life. Uh, but if you go to lc.org forward slash vaccine, scroll down to treatment, treatment, and you'll scroll down and you're going to see some protocol for treating uh, these conditions. It's going to be highlighted in red. Click on it. Lots of resource available, not only to get in touch with doctors, but also where to get some of these prescriptions filled and much more. Fantastic answer. That's amazing. And you know, Richard, I used to take that hydroxychloroquine every time I went on a missions trip. Mm -hmm. It amazed yeah. me, but Matt, I think you nailed it. It's the money. You follow the money yeah. and there's no money in that. And it's such a sad thing, but Matt, thank you so much for being with us again. And more than anything, I want to say thank you for staying in the fight and pressing forward and leading in such a great way. Do you have any closing words in this last 30 seconds that you want to share with us? Well, you know, Mark, just in, in how you asked the question before about the darkness, um, I never get discouraged or down because I know who ultimately is in control and our Lord's already blazed that path. And what is an apparent defeat, what is apparent adversity, uh, God can turn in to incredible opportunity and victory. Amen. And he's done that over and over again, and he's never going to change, and that's the God we serve. Thank you for being with us, Matt, and thank you for joining us on Truth and Liberty. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net.